Hello, 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 and welcome to Holding Space with Whitney Jean. I'm your host, Whitney, and I am so grateful that you are here. Whether this is your first episode with me or you are returning, I am beyond grateful that the universe has led you to this exact moment, to this exact space with me. I cannot wait to share today's episode with you. I hope you enjoy. you guys. Here we are continuing with this incredible series about people's soul purposes, what they're doing, their story, tapping into this space of what is each individual person's magic. I seriously cannot get enough of hearing people's stories. I just find them so incredibly fascinating. And previously in the series, we talked with Amanda, who was an attorney and or is still technically an attorney. And Today, we are going to talk with Bailey, who also was an attorney and hearing her story. So thank you so much for coming on, Bailey. Thank you for having me. I'm so, I'm so honored to be here. Bailey is one of my favorite humans on the planet. If you follow her on Instagram or Facebook, you know, she is just this like beautiful light and she has such a strong purpose in sharing. I feel like when I think of you, Bailey, I think of like dismantling any sort of belief system that you've been locked into or any sort of like mental belief system, mental battle. I see you as this warrior goddess who is just like, no, we're going to fucking slay these, these beliefs. We're going to fucking slay this, this, it, it doesn't have to be this way. What if we chose this instead? What if we chose kindness instead, specifically with your body, specifically with like how you treat yourself? And yeah, I just think you're, fucking magic. I love that. I feel <laughs> that's, the, that's the best compliment I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be the one to give it to you. Um, Thanks. Thank so, you. so Bailey, do you want to share a little bit about you, your story, your, all your things? Yes, I would love to. I would love to. So I guess I should start, I guess I should start back. Well, you mentioned being an attorney, so I can start there. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and I um, was kind of like always this, you know, type A achiever, um, grew up in a very like driven, um, very conservative uh, family. And I was the, I was the, the good, the good kid that, you know, they told me to do things. I said, absolutely. I'll do it this way. Um, didn't question most things, honestly. Like I really, it's so hilarious. I remember I had this moment where I, I thought back on my life and I think I was in college at the time. And I just thought, I wonder how many of my actual opinions are mine and how many are just ones that people have told me to believe. And it makes sense. It, it just makes it easier for me to go along with them. And that was sort of the theme of my life. I think I did what what people told me to do, what I was told was healthy. What I was told was moral. What I was told was 
um, admirable and I did it to the nth degree. Right. So I went, uh, I got a full scholarship to college. I graduated in two and a half years. Um, I did, uh, like a, a graduate degree in Bible. And then I went to law school and, um, loved it, like thrived, like just, I almost had this like monk like existence. I felt like I just, I mostly studied and slept and like, didn't like party in any of those years and didn't, you know, explore any aspects of life other than just like really, really studying a ton. Um, and I graduated and I think I had this idea in my head, like, cause everyone tells you, Oh, you're smart. You should do this. You should do that. This is how you, this is how you, this is how you impact the world. Like, I remember I had a, a U.S. Congresswoman that lived next door to my parents and I would go over and watch old movies with her. And she was like, Bailey, if you want to make any systemic change, you have to know how the law works. And that was like done. Boom. Like she told me this when I was 16 years old. And then I like went to law school. Like that was why it happened. Um, and, uh, I remember I had been practicing almost a year as a lawyer and I was just so unhappy and I didn't have the tools emotionally to explain, like, to understand, like, why am I exhausted? Why am I trying to like numb? Why am I searching for ways to numb myself? Why am I like, find myself like, you know, failing with these, these standards? Well, it was because I was asking for more of myself than, than what, you know, was my body was capable of giving. And, um, I ended up leaving my job after practicing for just one year. Um, cause I, I had another firm try to poach me and give me more money for the same job. And they, I sat back and I thought, where do I want to be in 10 years? And my, like from my gut, like this visceral response that I was shocked by was like, Oh my God, I cannot do this for 10 more years. I don't know where I don't want to be at either of these jobs in 10 years. So I turned on the job and then I went to my boss and I told him, let's find my replacement. And he, um, we parted like super it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, it was a, such a, such a beautiful uncoupling. Um, and, uh, then I kind of started, that was the first time I ever did anything that was not expected of me. And that was the first time I think I really stepped into like owning what my life looked like, what my life felt like. I remember right before I made this decision, looking at, um, a friend's life and thinking, wow, must be nice. Like, cause she just had a much uh, less rigid life, much less high stress. And I thought, wow, must be nice. Like would love to have her life. And then there was this like voice that came in and was like, bitch, you could, you've chosen this life. And, um, so then I chose not to have that anymore. So I kind of went on my like very millennial, very, you know, cliche quarter life crisis journey. Um, I worked at like a brewery and a tattoo shop and, um, I kind of, you know, tried all different things. And then I ended up moving across the country with my sister and two of my really good friends and her husband, my sister's husband, and, um, came to Idaho and continued my journey, you know, working odd jobs. I worked in group fitness, all these different things. And, um, I think the theme for me has just been like choosing, you know, 
choosing my life and creating the life that I want. And I only feel like recently, and I'm still on this journey. I'm still like working to like really, you know, there's also been the threat of like learning to not be at odds with my body throughout all that. Cause when you live in this aggressive world where it's all very intense and this very like, um, not to get too much into like the masculine feminine dynamic, but it was just this very like aggressive, all, all masculine. Um, you don't learn to like, you know, treat yourself well and like listen to your body and like lean into like the feminine, your feminine nature. So I'm still learning about that, but I feel like now I finally have this life that I just pinch myself all the time. I'm so happy. And I think I chose it. Like I'm not at all. I, I chose it and, and here it is. I love that. I love that. I haven't arrived perfectly, but I'm really happy every day. Right. Which is the goal, isn't it? Isn't the goal yeah. to just find joy in every day and chase that joy? I yeah. I sense an underlying theme. So mm-hmm. did, with your high achiever personality type or really, in at least in my experience, it was a conditioned response. Yeah. It was a conditioned response of well, this is how I'm going to get my parents' approval. This is how I'm going to get those that I look up to. This is how I'm going to get their approval. This is how I'm going to be the good girl. Mm-hmm. I found that playing out in my in my life where it was like in my work, in my school, in my what I was doing. And actually this weekend while I was at the retreat, we really dove into, Whitney, where are you still fucking plugged into this high achiever space where you're just trying to achieve the next thing and you're not settling into where you're at. Like you're not allowing yourself to feel safe anywhere within wherever you're at. Just be. Yeah. Just existing is all we really were meant to do. And that's when you plug into your power. Totally. Do you think that that uh, high achieving pull um, is what pulled you into the fitness industry? Or do you feel like that underlying theme was there? hundred percent. I think that it was, it was, it's actually funny because if you, there's research and also you, you can even just, you know, um, informally observe that there are, there are so many former attorneys and former like medical professionals that have entered into like the fitness industry because they, they're unhappy. They want to change. They want to be more connected with their bodies. And then they find this other it's opposite, but it's equally extreme and equally in some ways unhealthy world to dive right into where you're kind of like, yes, I'm like, so, you know, I'm, I'm so different. I'm like, I'll, I'm off of the, I'm out of the rat race, but you're really just entering like a different Annoying. like rat race. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. And um, I do, I do see that too with exactly what you're saying. It's like you, so you substitute one addiction for another or one place of comfort, which is that high achieving space into another high achieving. How far can I push myself? How much can I create here? And, and it, it gives you this identity where before I like one thing that I really struggled with when I first left my job was I could, I didn't know who I was, who am I? Like I, I used to say, I am a law student. I am an attorney. And that was something that was easy to explain. People didn't ask questions about, and it was impressive. Right. Um, this all sounds really douchey, but I'm just going to be super real. Like it was, it was a, it shut people up. 
Mm-hmm. It didn't make people didn't have to question my intelligence, question my value. I just said it and they were like, oh, okay, cool. You know? And then once I left, there was no I am statement. And um, I had to kind of I want, I, I remember feeling like I needed to figure out a way to just have that be the period. I am period. But I didn't obviously figure that out because I decided to dive into other things and to completely redefine myself. And I think I was it, I was really attracted to defining myself in a way that was more physical. And I think there's also, I think a lot of, we kind of go around where like these pinball, like on a pinball machine, like we're bouncing from thing to thing and we're always maybe getting a little bit higher, like, and um, maybe addressing one area of our life that, you know, that is unhealthy or that, you know, is a response to trauma. Um, and I know like one thing, like that my parents would always say about me was, Oh, Bailey's the smart one, but she's like, she's not strong. She's not athletic, you know, you know, whatever. She's the weak one. They would, they would call me the weak one. And so I think I was really driven to like prove them wrong Mm -hmm. in this way. And now I realize I do not need to prove that because I'm very strong, you know, and, um, and that's something that I'm addressing now. Like I'm not in the fitness world anymore and I'm dealing with some, like I'm on a healing journey with, I think it's emotional. I think it's physical. Um, and something that I'm realizing is that I don't need a title or a profession or, uh, I worked out today to say like, to prove to myself that I'm strong because there's a lot of other ways. I love that. Oh my gosh. That's huge. That's huge. So what do you do now that brings you joy? Like where, where are you at within life now? Well, I am not employed. Um, I joke that I'm retired in my thirties. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a total recommend. It's a great job. And I'm very, 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 very happy about it. Um, I, a lot, of, I would say a lot of my time is spent exploring my relationship with myself. And so I'm still figuring out like, what do I love? Cause so again, I look at, back on it and I'm like, what are the things that I used to love that I used to think, Oh, this is my past. Well, a lot of it was like working out, going out with friends. Like I, you know, I used to be a big like drinker and um, because I'm on this health journey, I really can't lean on drinking or working out as um means of blowing off steam or recreation anymore. And so I'm figuring that out. Like I'm learning to be alone. I've learned to love like reading again, which honestly, if anyone has done like higher ed, like it takes years, it takes decades to even want to read a book for fun again. So I finally, like like, I've been a recovering attorney since 2015. So now I'm finally able to read again without like wanting to die. Um, I thought that's a totally real thing with mm -hmm. how much you had to read in law school and all of that. Oh my gosh. And when you're working, you're reading all day long, you know, and you're bringing, you're bringing case law home to read. So, um, so I'm, I'm like rediscovering like my joy of just like reading like silly fiction and, um, and writing for myself. And, um, it's, and this, this is like not like trendy or cool to say, but like, I love domestic thing, like tasks. Like I'm learning, I've learned over the past couple of years to cook. And like one of my creative outlets is I love like creating and trying new recipes. And I would have 
curled in a ball and died. If you had told me, if you had told like 16 to 26 year old Bailey that I would like not be working and I would be like so excited to like wake up in the morning and like plan my like my household meals and like make a latte for my husband and like cook dinner and like walk to the grocery store and that those would be like my little joys Mm -hmm. but it is you know and sorry yeah um I love to um I realized that like like close I, I feel like I'm like incapable of small talk I'm incapable of like the, the fun, like wild hang. Like I love just like really deep conversations and that, like I get off on that, like, and, um, just like good friends, my sisters, my husband. Um, and I really enjoy, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm this person that's going to be just a cheerleader for the rest of my life. But at this stage of life, when I'm really focused on healing, I'm, I just get so much joy out of like supporting the people in my life that are doing big things that are out there like fighting and making moves and making changes and making like making that you know the skrilla like I'm like yes like I'm not doing that right now but like I'm so excited for you so I like I love like being there to support my husband I love um he, like when he calls me in the middle of the day and he's going through a crisis, I love helping him talk through it. I love like my girlfriends like you that are like building empires and changing people's lives every day. Like I'm so excited to like cheer you guys on. And I would say like, if that's a hobby, I don't think it really is. Like I don't do pottery and I don't like knit and I hate to garden. I'm not outdoorsy. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to learn to wake surf this summer. And I just decided I actually hate being in the water. So I just like to lay out on the boat. Um, but I love seeing people do big things and maybe one day my dream will shift and I'll have, I'll develop my new dream. But right now that's where I'm at. Right. And what if there was nothing wrong with that? You know what I mean? Like, what if that was exactly where the place that you're meant to be? What if that's your, even like your soul contract, like what you're meant to be is to just be follow your joy, live in it, live in life moment to moment, support those around you. Like that is a big role and you should fucking be proud of that. Like that is a huge role. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much space for it because, um, I just think there's so much space for recognizing like power and beauty and being like, I don't also, I think, sorry, back no backtracking from, to explain the statement I was about to make. I think I lived so much of my life that when, because I was so competitive, anytime I saw someone succeed or I saw someone doing well, it was immediately subtracting from my joy, subtracting from my value. And I think because I lived so much of my life, like being physically incapable of true celebration with another person that now I like find that it's like my main joy. I just think there's so much space for like being just, just an example of that. Um, that like one, even if I was still on this track of like, I'm building a business, I'm making a change. I'm, you know, whatever, whatever I I have this project, I have this goal, I have this, you know, passion, 
there is no reason why your success should ever take away from mine. There's that's such a poverty mentality. There's space in the universe. There's space in like the world, even in our small community for multiple people doing the exact same thing differently. Totally. No, totally. I love that so much because I, I have been, um, in that mindset, in that energy, energetic space, that paradigm of like, I'm competing with everybody else. And if somebody else is else wins, like that means I'm not winning if they're succeeding in this. And that means I'm not succeeding that like the, this comparison game that is insane. And when I navigated through that and I began to shift that and began to realize, wait, what if there was no such thing as competition? What if there was no such thing as competing with somebody else? What if it was just a journey of, of becoming who you're meant to be? What if there was enough for everybody? And I began to tap into that. I realized there is more than enough. And by tapping, stepping out of that, the paradigm of scarcity, stepping out of that paradigm of, well, there's not enough for all of us. You, you, have the choice to step into a reality where there's more than enough for all of us. And yes. you, and, and by celebrating that person, what you're doing is you're opening yourself up for more of that for yourself too. So it's, and, it's not one of those things of, Oh, that gal drives a nice car. I bet her husband bought it or, Oh, they, they did this. And, and Oh my gosh, it's that it's like, yeah. no, what if you could be like, damn bitch, I love your car. That is dope. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. celebrating that person for their successes, for their materialistic items, for their, like all of the things are within them, around them, in their experience. If you can find yourself celebrating that, even if it's bigger than anything you've tasted or achieved or, or received, you are opening up that energetic door to receive that yourself. But when you, Amen. but when you are, are like, oh my gosh, that she had to have done this or this or whatever to diminish or try to make that small, whatever it is, you're actually shutting yourself out from receiving that because you're telling the universe, I don't want that because that means this. Yep. Yep. And, and you're, and you're just creating this like ugliness inside of you where you always have to find a way to diminish someone's blessing, diminish someone's accomplishment so that you feel better about yourself. And then, and then you're wrapping yourself up in this very small package because when your worth is dependent on other people being at a level at or slightly lower than you, well, one, you're never going to seek out friends that challenge you. You're never going to seek out friends that are like excellent and seeking mm-hmm. excellent things and breaking through like boundaries. Um, so you're immediately like putting yourself on this like very negative spiral, but you're also, yeah, you're, you're, you're showing yourself, you're, com- you're constantly reaffirming this idea of there's not enough resources in the world. They have some, and I'm mad because I won't have like, it, it, it makes life a zero sum game. And that's not right. true. Oh um, my gosh, yes. And it's something that took me so long to learn. It's something that I don't, um, for a while, I, I it just felt so frustrated and understand. I thought there was this great deficiency in me. And I realized it's not, it's, it's literally just, if it's, it's like how kids. So when I was younger, my parents had some foster kids live with our family and they would like, we would give them food and they would eat until they were sick and they would like sneak snacks and hide them in their suitcases and stuff. And it was because they believed because they were taught because they experienced 
not having enough, that if they didn't grab what, like grab what was theirs, grab what resources were available, that there would be a time when they wouldn't have resources. They wouldn't have food to eat. They wouldn't have snacks. They wouldn't have like a couple extra bucks. So they would snatch it. And it wasn't them being bad kids. It was them literally responding to what they'd been taught their whole lives. And I think that's what so many of us are doing. Like we've grown up in this world where no hate on the baby boomers, but they didn't understand a lot of these concepts. And I'm just thankful for them because they did a little bit better than their parents. We're doing a little bit better than them. Our kids will do better than us. Um, but they, it was modeled to us. Like every time, you know, it was every time we, we saw they, they would compare us to our friends, like, Oh, you know, Bridget, she does this. So, mm. or, you know, like, well, your sister did this, does this, you know, we're going to, we're going to give her more of the resource that we have because she was a better kid or whatever, or, or hearing them talk about their friends and being like, Oh, I would never want like that nice car because it's just so I remember my parents like saying things like, well, that's just, that's just like really garish and like pretty like, you know, op- like it just, it's a little showy and it's like, well, maybe honestly they did want it but they couldn't afford it you know so they had to like push it so that they didn't feel bad oh totally and I see to undo this like programming in our lives and uh and so just having that sitting back observing a behavior observing a response in ourselves and not having judgment not having condemnation not feeling guilty not feeling shame and giving your the space self the space to think where did this come from you know i don't think it came from me and it doesn't really matter other than just um, figuring out the cause and like undoing it and and realizing i'm just a product of my circumstance or of my upbringing and i can change it like i I was bred to be a high achieving professional. I changed it. I was trained to be competitive with other women and to um, scorn their success, but I've chosen to stop that and I've chosen to celebrate them. And um, yeah, there, I mean, there's so many, also I think culture does that to us. Like we are, from not to go feminist at all, because I would say that I'm not a feminist. I am a champion of women. And in the original sense of the word, I'm such a feminist, but this third wave stuff, no, no, no. But um, we're really set up to compete against each other. And I think it takes away our feminine power. Like we should be supporting each other, not just because we're women, because that's like a swing to the other direction, but supporting each other because of the value that we see. And thinking also going back to what you were talking about when you see someone you know whether it's a male or female or whatever succeeding and it's you feel that pang of like oh i want that like why don't i have that shit like they're me they're showing me what i haven't done and so that can feel painful and then but i like to turn around and just immediately be like so thankful for their presence in my life because it's really hard to level up until you've seen someone do it right and that's like percent And so the people in my life, like the girlfriends that I have that have more resources than me or have better, you know, coping skills or, um, even like stupid things, like they have like better skin than me or something. You know, I don't know. Like, I think, fuck yeah, I want that bitch in my life because I, now I see it, like I'm going to figure out how they got there. And her presence in my life means that it's much more likely to happen. Like when I see Whitney, like literally glowing all the time and like changing the presence when she walked 
the presence of a room when she walks into it. Well, now I'm around, like, now I see that that's possible. Like, and I want to do that. And, um, just silly things like being around people that, you know, manage money. Well, even if you're not sitting there talking, I'm like, okay, so how much do you save? Like, what did you invest in learning that like their presence like leaks onto you? And when you see that that's even a possibility, mm-hmm. like, my husband and I just learned to manage our money when he changed jobs. Like he was in a blue collar job and he, you know, we, we just kind of like saw like, Oh, you kind of live paycheck to paycheck. You kind of, you know, have fun, make sure you have a house, make sure you have a savings and you're solid, you know, but when he switched and he was around people who like think into the future, think about investing, think about having access. Like it wasn't just that he started making more money. It was that we started thinking about it differently because we were around people because we saw it happening for real. Mm -hmm. And anyways, so when you see people with more things than you have, or with a success that you have, it's like amazing. Now that I've seen it, I can do it. Well, and what if you shifted that simply by making it an invitation, their presence, what they've achieved, what they've created, what they've generated, what have you, what they have. What if you made that an invitation for you to step up instead of making it a competition? What if it was an invitation for you to to step into that version of you? I found that this last weekend at this retreat, uh, it was like, it was so magical. Uh, One of the things that I really let down my guard and shared was that like, I feel really intimidated in this room of women who are really fucking powerful. Every single woman in that room, incredible. Like there were women in that room that have six figure months. There were women in that room that have $50,000 months. There's women in that room that just started their business and are making five figures a month. Like incredible. And like, that's just the financial side that doesn't have anything to do with like the, the, what they're doing on the internet and what they're creating with their clients and what they're doing for services and like how they, their life that they live and, and the things that they invest in and, and like their essence, like they're, they were in their power. And so for Mm -hmm. me, it was like the first day I was, I called Sean and I was like, I don't even know if I want to be here anymore because I felt so out of place because I was like, holy fuck, I've never been around so many, so incredibly in their power, powerful women. And I was like, so I did some meditation. Like you have better, you have tools now to navigate. Okay. Where, where is this coming from? Where is this really me? What would I use to shift this? I don't want to make decisions in this energy. So I, I meditated and I allowed myself to really be present with, okay, what is it that I'm experiencing? experiencing what is it that I'm feeling and I journaled it out and I was like oh my god we did a breath work session and my heart opened like I felt my heart open and this is all of the inner child stuff coming out like I am literally seeing this through the eyes of my inner child who had to compete with other women who didn't feel like she ever had a place at the table who didn't feel like she was always the last one to be picked on the uh, dodgeball team or in any sport for that fucking matter but like always the last one invited to the sleepovers if I was invited at all. And so like, for me, it was all of these wounds that I was carrying within my heart space that opened up during this breathwork session. And then I had attached it to what was physically happening in that moment. But when I pulled back and I allowed myself to sit with these feelings and, and be like, this doesn't feel like me, like what is going on? And I meditated, I shifted it. And I, I got really clear with myself and I journaled 
I realized it wasn't even me in this present moment at all. And just having that simple awareness allows you to shift it like this. Just having the awareness, you're like, oh my God, I don't want to be in this space. Yes. And it just, it's what it's, it just, it's like, it clicks and you're like, oh my goodness. Then you, you see the reasoning, you see, okay, I'm, I'm limiting myself. But the thing is you would never have gotten there if you hadn't, like, cause I think we think, oh, that's, I can't admit that. I think that ew, ew, oh, oh, and you shove it down, mm-hmm. but when we can remove the shame, like this, the shame from the equation, observe with just curiosity and a lack of judgment. That's when you can think, oh, and you can, you can be truly compassionate to young Whitney, to young Bailey. That's like, oh, like you were compared to other girls or you didn't get like the attention you wanted because another a sibling was better, kinder, prettier, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you don't have to live that way anymore. Let's yeah. unpack that. Or someone told you you were weak. Well, you're not, but like, right. I love it. I love it. But we, but it's like, we have to let go of, we, like, it's like the culture, our parents, whatever it was, there was this outside force that shamed us and molded us and set us on a path. And it's not until we, 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 we have to pause and take it back. You know, like we have the power of our responses. We have the power of our, you know, trajectory. And and like when you, when you take a moment to like look inward and be like, okay, why am I experiencing this? It's not them saying that I don't belong. It's not them even putting out that energy. It was me feeling challenged by their bigness. And when I took responsibility for that feeling, that shame, that guilt, that like uncomfortable feeling, when I took accountability for that and, and had the awareness of like, okay, where is this coming from? Like, I know this is coming from me. Where is it stemming in? What it, where is it rooting in? I was able to take radical self-responsibility for that process that clear that release that let that go as easy as that. Once you get into the, the habit of like being radically responsible for yourself and your feelings and don't Mm -hmm. place that pressure on anybody else or that blame on anybody else, but rather be like, Ooh, what, what's going on here? Yep. You're not a victim anymore. You're not a victim anymore. You call back your fucking power and you Mm -hmm. fucking change it. Yep. Because it doesn't matter who caused it. And I think I'm not someone who believes like, I believe that there's power in, and there's value in identifying like, Hey, I had this childhood trauma. It was caused by this person. Cause then you can identify, you know, where it came from. You can have compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. You move on. But the only person that can change it, like ultimately you, you might not be responsible, but you're the only one who is responsible, who has the, the, you're the only one who cares enough to fix it, to change, to like break the cycle and move forward. And it's, it's a beautiful, terrifying thing. Like (laughs) the, the, the realization that like you can create whatever life you want is so freeing and also terrifying because it means that you can't blame anyone else for your problems because maybe they, maybe they were an initiating force, but you kept it going. And I think that's why a lot of people are, I, I understand why a lot of people are intimidated by it and they would rather stay small and they would rather stay in the space of blaming everybody else 
for everything instead of stepping into their power and recognizing, oh, wait, have I been blaming everybody else? And really, it's just my fear of being big or taking a stance or having an opinion or or anything like this, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I understand it. I understand that fear, but there definitely is that space of, okay, I'm going to totally avoid any of my power because I don't want to take responsibility for what's created from here on forward. I don't want to create, um, I don't want to be responsible because what if I fail? What if I like in any aspect, whether that's financially, physically, anything, I don't want to take responsibility for myself because what if I fail? And they allow that to dictate the rest of their life. Exactly. And there's something really beautiful about failing, you know, and that, that like, I think we were talking before we you hit recording about like the, the power and the freedom in your worst fear of happening. And my worst fear, I always used to joke that I was just, people be like, how do you keep going? Cause I would like be out until, you know, whatever time, wake up at 4am, go for a run, get to work, like do things and like repeat it. And it's like, how do you, how do you do it all? How do you do that? And I was like, I'm honestly like highly motivated by fear of failure. And, and since I started making decisions for myself, taking control of my life, I've failed a million times. I've handled professional situations insanely wrong. And I've had like relationships go very badly. And I've been the mean girl and I've been the victim and I've been, you know, and, and this fear of scorn and failure that I had, I no longer have because I think I've been through that. Like it happened, it was miserable and I lived through it and I'm fine. I was talking with a client today uh, because he has this repeating cycle of fear of losing everything because he's had that and fear of losing control because he's had that and he's experienced very like all the way at one end of the spectrum, like not having control, not having those things or losing everything. And so he has this repeating cycle where he's creating things out of fear of losing it instead of creating from a space of alignment, from a space of abundance, from a space of this is what I want. This is what I want to create. This is what I want to choose. It's instead coming from a space of, I don't want to lose it. So I'm creating from this. I'm creating from a space of not losing it, creating a space of not losing control of not doing this. I'm not doing that. And so like the energy of the choices, the energy of what he's creating, the energy of all of it is so off. And he's like, I'm so exhausted. And I feel so my energy feels so scattered. And I feel like I'm in this ever repeating fear cycle. And I was like, man, you're literally creating your life out of fear. You're literally creating your life out of fear of not having this. What if instead you chose your joy and you started creating because something brought you joy and you started chasing that instead of chasing, because I don't want to, because I, I don't want to experience this because I fear yeah. this, because I fear that. I mean, the question I've been really, amen. And first of all, let me just respond to that and say, yes, 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 yes. The question that I've been really, I, I like to say like, it's been just like simmering in my, in my like internal crock pot is what if life wasn't meant to be a struggle? What if life was meant to be pleasurable? You know, what if I was driven by pleasure and not achievement and fear and like adrenaline, you know, that's one thing that I'm dealing with right now is like, I have completely drained my adrenals 
and I like have to have a much more chill life. I cannot have coffee. Um, I am just really working on like my central nervous system. And so like, it's, you have to reframe like, well, what, what drives me, you know, to get up and do things in the morning? Well, it's not a drive for success. It's not a drive for people to like me. Um, but it is pleasure, you know, and sort of like pagan and like, like degenerate to be like, I do like, like it feels, it sounds very like seventies free love, like do what feels good, bro. Mm -hmm. But it's true. Like when you're truly, truly plugged into like yourself, your truest self and your body and, and you're plugged into like radical honesty, which is painful. You can see, I feel like when you, if you really seek pleasure, it is, it ends up for your best and for everyone's best. Cause it's not just like sensate pleasure. It's not just like, well, I'm going to sit here and like eat bonbons all day. Like people, I joke that that's what people think since I, I do, since I don't work, but everything I do is like really guided by pleasure. But, but like that inner compass, that inner compass of like, what do I desire to experience yeah. and feel today? Maybe I desire to walk down to my favorite coffee shop and sip tea and listen to music and work on my computer. Or maybe I desire to go walk through a my favorite clothing store and touch all of the things on the rack and maybe buy something nice for myself. Maybe I desire to go hang out on the beach or lay in the sun. Or maybe I desire to create this or create that or do this or do that. It doesn't have to be like this. I know exactly what you mean. Like, it's literally, what do I desire in this moment? And I'm going to honor that. Yeah. And I think the more you have that conversation with your, with your, like your inner Whitney or your body, and you establish this rapport of, I listen to you. Like when you desire something pleasurable, I give it to you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to yell back at you. It doesn't have to demand attention via breakdowns, via outbursts, via massive health crises. Literally, um, literally. And it's, and, and I'm a firm believer in a lot of massive health crises like that is like, is your body screaming at you because it's spent how many years trying to get your attention and you haven't been able to listen to it. You haven't heard the whispers, but when you start diving into this journey that you're on, where you're listening to your body and you're hearing the whispers, your body no longer has to yell. You he- you feel and hear the shift immediately. Like your senses know, your awareness knows you have such a communion and connection with your body that you just know. Amen. Yes. Yes. I, I couldn't say it better. Like it's anyone that has experienced like chronic health issues or, um, any, anything like that, or chronic stress, you, you know, before anything really bad happens, like you've had a million tiny signals from your body that you chose to ignore, you know, and, and you can get away with it for a long time. Well, and like, even, and, and, there's no shame or judgment in that either, because at this point in my life, like, I feel like I'm, I trust in myself. I know my awareness. I know when something's off. And even this last weekend, that was truly a test of there were multiple women there in their power, in their trust, in their intuition, noticing things that were not normal, noticing 
brushing in the trees that was not normal and nobody said anything. Nobody was like, did you notice that? Was that weird? Was I the only one that was aware of that? And there was multiple things. There was a one of the sweetest human beings ever. She saw someone in front of the house that was acting weird. And when sirens went by, he freaked out and ran down the street. Like that was a little weird. Another girl and I noticed the rustling in the trees two nights before our incident. And it was like, that was weird. We both felt it. We both noticed it, but we didn't say anything. And looking back, I remember her looking, I remember her seeing the same thing I saw and I still didn't say anything. And it just makes you, well, one, have compassion for people when they don't listen and not have judgment, not have shame, but realize, okay, like now I know I'm, it's like you're built. It's like, we're all still, even you, which is like so cool for me to see, not cool, but it's, it's eye-opening. Even who I view as so in touch with your signals and your intuition and your body, like we're all still building this muscle. Cause it's not one that has been like, we have been groomed to ignore it. Like oh, for sure. I recently where it, like I, I talk about how day one we are told in in subtle and not so subtle ways like do not listen to your body like we're babies are fed in a schedule they are like they cry themselves to sleep they are you know given food when it's convenient for others, not when they are. Um, and then we go to school and they're like, Oh, you can pee at this time. You can eat at this time, run to this room when the bell rings. And then we're at work, you know, and then we're praised for like, you know, working out through the pain and no pain, no gain. And, uh, you know, Oh, this feels like really uncomfortable for me to sit in a desk all day and like answer questions. Like, this doesn't feel like this is the way that I learn but there's 30 other kids and they're doing just fine. So I should probably listen to do exactly what the teacher says. Like, and then we get become adults and we realize, oh, we have to listen to this intuition that's been shoved down and like ignored for decades. Oh, 1000%. And, and that even goes into the place of like emotions where you're feeling and experiencing something, but then you're made wrong for feeling and experiencing that from another person. I can't tell you how many times that was the case growing up. And it was like, so for a long time, I had to learn to trust myself for one, that my feelings are valid. What I'm experiencing is valid in the same hand. What they're experiencing is is valid. And it doesn't take away from the validity of my experience and really tapping into that trust of, is this what I'm feeling? Okay. Why am I feeling like this? What about this needs to be listened to? And that is so courageous. It shouldn't be, it should be second nature, but it is courageous in this day and age. Because again, as children, what are we told when we cry? Don't cry. You're fine. And I, I think that that's meant it's said with the best of intentions, but it's still really fucked up. Like good intentions mean nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, Our feelings are constantly invalidated from day one. Don't cry. Be nice. Share with your sister when it's like, well, maybe I didn't want to. Or, you know, or like, what, what is nice? And why do we have to be nice? What does nice mean? Like we, we talked earlier about how like being compassionate and kind often doesn't not, it, sometimes it looks like being a wolf, mm-hmm. you know? Not no, exactly. Exactly. And so like with the whole experience of this last weekend, it, it really set in stone. Like years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that because 
there was so much coding within my body that was like, no, you're the nice girl. You can't hurt anybody's feelings. You can't misinterpret anything. You can't don't like none of that. But like, what if it wasn't wrong to be the fucking wolf when you needed to be the fucking wolf? Yep. Amen. And set some fucking boundaries. Difference. Like there's no, like, I think it's becoming really trendy to like set boundaries and be like a badass bitch. And like, and I'm really thankful that women are empowered to have a voice and that there's, there's a feminine way to be strong, but I think we're kind of, it's getting lost in translation. It's not hard and fast. We're like boundaries are not. And I set a boundary. You treated me that way. I'm never talking to you again. Like I, I went there, like when I first like read about bond boundaries and I was like, Oh my God, this friend like crossed me. I'm never, you're out of my life. And like, that's equally unhealthy. Like it's, it's every day listening, being honest with yourself and checking in with your body and your mind and what in your intuition and saying like, okay, what feels right to me in this moment? What serves me? 1000%. You were the first person that ever, ever introduced that concept to me in one of our, um, access bar sessions, actually. Yes. And and it's like your boundaries don't have to look like an electric fence. What if they mm -hmm. looked like, Hey, I'm a sacred being and I'll be treated with respect. And that might look like this in this moment. And that might look like that in that moment. And I can engage this person on my terms as much or as little as I want, but I don't. And it can be like a season, like there could be seasons of zero contact and there can be seasons of a lot of contact. You know what I mean? So it's like, it can be seasons of, okay, you overstepped this boundary. I need you to know I'm communicating that this is a boundary that I have. Yeah. Please respect my feelings, my space, what I need and be able to communicate that. And if it's crossed again, taking time away, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like, it doesn't have to look like that electric fence. So question, last question. Okay. To wrap this up, if you could leave them with any piece of advice or what was the best advice you've ever been given or anything like that, what would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. I have so many things like running through my head. Okay. Hold on. Pause. Think. That is my best, best piece of advice ever given. Honestly, I think it's, so it's a combination of something that I've learned from my sister, who's an absolute queen. And I will always like sing her praises and you, um, and it is that your gut will always tell you when something is, I don't even want to say right, but when something is serving you and when something is not. And, um, and Anytime you listen to it and you, it, I'm, tra- I'm trying to like, I, I feel like this is like a paragraph and I'm trying to make it a sentence. So basically take as much listen- time as you need with it, yeah. take as much time. So when you listen to your gut and you act, um, you're not, re- 
like you, you don't need to look at and be feel responsible for the immediate response or the immediate outcome. It's the trajectory that you're setting up. One, you're setting up rapport with your body and your intuition. Two, you're setting up um, like re- uh, you're establishing like boundaries with others by saying that serves me. Sure. That doesn't serve me. No, thank you. Um, and you're testing to see who responds well to this and respects it and is all for my good. And who is like really triggered by this because they know they can't manipulate me. And so basically listening to your gut, setting boundaries, saying no, saying yes, when it serves you, it's about your, your trajectory, not like the immediate response. And I think that that understanding has really changed the game for me in being led by pleasure rather than, um, what should happen and rather than what getting people to like me, getting a good response in the moment, because there is no, no way that you can live with focus and live in your power and get good responses from every single action and every single decision. I love not day to day. I love that. I love that. And that is like literally the perfect way to get out of the hamster wheel of the high, having to high achieve, having to please other, everybody else, having to do what everybody else has deemed is right or the best or what is needed or where, what the goal is. And really just tapping into your inner knowing of this is what I desire. This is not what I desire and choosing based off of that. Yes. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, for being on here. And I seriously am so thankful for our conversations because they're always chef kiss, like perfect. And I'm just so thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. I always feel full after I talk to you. And I think it's just because we go deep into the good stuff, like the juicy stuff. It's good. I don't have to get no small talk with Whitney. (laughs) No small talk. That's I, I will say to end this is like, you made a comment earlier that like, you just can't do the small talk anymore. And I have never related to something so deeply as I did with that comment, because it's like, you just don't have the capacity to have the small talk anymore. I'm like, let me tell you about the trauma that I'm dealing with today. (laughs) Like, are you available for this? Like, do you have the space for this? Because this is what I'm navigating. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Cause that, that's where my mind is. And I'm not, I don't really care about like, I don't know your dog or whatever. I mean, do, I actually do really care about your dogs, but <laughs> on a surface level, I don't, but like, how are they doing for real? <laughs> I get it. I just want to take a moment to express my gratitude for you allowing me to be a part of your journey through this podcast. It brings me so much pleasure and so much joy to be a contribution to you in any way that I possibly can. If you loved what you heard today, or if you were triggered by what was what was said today, I would love if you would leave me a review with any epiphanies, anything that was cleared up for you, any episode favorites, so that I can continue offering you and creating valuable content that is a contri- contribution to you. I would just be so, so thankful. And you can do that on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time to be in this space with me. I love you so much.